Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good to see you all. And it is Advent. Let's just jump into it. My prayer is that you will walk out of here being encouraged. Advent, the season of expectant waiting. From Latin, the ad word Advent means coming. It's a season where we focus on the coming of the Savior, the coming of the hope of the world, the coming of the Messiah. It's really a time, of, a time to pull the brakes a little bit and, and focusing on adoring Jesus, adoring what He's done. Adoring the plans the Father has. Um, meditate on the amazing promise, the amazing hope that entered the world. Uh, for me, Advent, that's a reminder that God has a plan bigger than just the things that are going on in my life. That God has a plan that is so much more than just my views uh, for Christmas. So much more than just... Christmas trees and Christmas gifts, things that I love, but there's so much more. You know, this is a time where we want us, we want to have these four Sundays as a place for you and me to come and just kind of refocus a little bit and kind of breathe a little bit, let the stress be outside and just kind of meditate on what is God is, has been, been promising to us, what he's been doing. For me, Advent, it teaches me to slow down a little bit, to ponder God's gift, and not just run with the stress. And I'm not even going to get into all the things that we usually say, like, the Christmas is so stressful, and the Christmas is so commercial, and we all agree on that, I think. The fun thing is everyone agrees on it, but everyone is still kind of running it. But, so, so that's not my point. The point is I want us today as well just kind of let all that be and just focusing on what the hope of the world that God has given us. So you are very welcome today. Let this place be a place to breathe, to kind of refocus and just kind of let go a little bit of everything else. So let's begin. As a, as a people of God, as, a, as, as the people believing in God, we are a people of promise. That's kind of from the beginning. We are a people of promise. And for centuries, from the very beginning, there's been a promise of hope. There's been a promise of salvation. There's been a promise of restoration from the very, very beginning. For the hope, for the fulfillment of all God's promises, there's been from the very beginning. Just like, this might be a strange example, but like from Adam and Eve falling into sin, realizing that, oh, we are naked, we have sinned. God was slaughtering an animal, fixing clothes for them to wear. It was like there was a sacrifice already there for them. That, just that detail points to the fact that someday there will be a sacrifice. Someday there will be a promise. And we can see it from every book in the Bible from the beginning, almost every story, it points forward to, to God's amazing work, something that will come. Prophets, pro speaking about it, angels longing to see it. This is why we celebrate right now with Christmas. We are celebrating what 
the world what centuries have been looking forward to. That's why we want to focus on this right now. Just kind of breathe, take that in. I'm just going to read from 1 Peter 1.10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. But they spoke of the things that had now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. You know, at Christmas, we actually celebrate the beginning of the fulfillment of this world has been longing for, that the prophets have been spoken about. We actually celebrate the start of that amazing promise, of that amazing hope. That actually through his son, we can come close to God, we can draw near to God. The ancient waiting is over. We're actually celebrating that it has happened. So we heard that scripture, people have been looking for it. For centuries, prophets have been speaking, speaking about it. And I want to focus on actually the scene where, where this kind of get communicated to the world from Luke 2. We know these words. This is kind of where everything has been building up. And you have these shepherds being out. And shepherds there in Bethlehem, they were probably looking out after the temple flock. And I just want to say a couple of words about the shepherds before we read, we read it. They were quite ranked quite low, like in society, to be a shepherd at that time. They were, their status were on the same level as a butcher or a camel rider. I think that sounds cool, to be a camel rider, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was like, wow, I want to be a camel rider. Uh, they were quite low, and I, even like... They were actually considered to be dishonest in a way because they were not able to, because they often work during nights, they were not able to be at home taking care of their wives and protect them. So they were like seen as something that was not honor, honor. it was not honor. And even religiously, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be, a, they wouldn't be welcome in the temple. They wouldn't, they wasn't, they were not seen as religious people. Uh, if they were, with, if, if a shepherd would witness a crime, their testimony would not hold up. There wouldn't be appointing them to, to testify in court because their word didn't mean anything. So they were quite low ranked. It wouldn't be admissible in courts. But they were actually seen as quite simple, dishonest, and unclean. I just find it interesting that this is the pe people that God chose to kind of, this, I'm going now, the, the world is, I'm entering the world right now. This is the people that I want to share this to first. So let's read Luke 8, uh, 2, 8 to 14. And use your imagination a little bit. Try to picture this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. This is amazing what's happening right here. They are out at night, probably quiet, probably a little bit tired, and then this angel appears. There's actually a scholar I read that he said, like, a, a good modern interpreta- uh, way to kind of write it is, boom, an angel came. That's like, that's how it's written. It's like suddenly an angel came. Uh, he speaks great news of all people. He says, a savior is born. And they would know savior, a deliverer for all our enemies is born. The Messiah is born. The fulfiller of all, all promises, promises from God is born. The Lord God himself. And actually, a host of, have, of angels. It's not a common thing in the Bible to have a host of angels. Often it comes with one angel being a messenger. But this is a host. And the, the word host, is a, that's a military term in those, in those days. It means literally an army. An arm of, of, yeah. A, an arm of, arm of brothers. So actually, it was not ten angels with harps or with notebooks singing a nice song. It was like an army that filled the sky. An army of angels. That's quite powerful. And it says, peace to all people. And peace, the word shalom, an experience of complete wholeness. It's beautiful in Arabic when you say, salam alaikum, God's peace be upon you. That's shalom. It doesn't get more powerful than this, if you can imagine this scene. This is what creation and history has been pointing towards. This is when God invades invades the world that he has created. I'm thinking the universe, if I don't know if the universe does things like that, but I'm picturing the universe holding its breath, just like it's actually happening now. From the start, centuries, hundreds of years, prophets, it's actually happening. Now God is coming to, I think this is amazing. And I just want to read now Isaiah 9, verse 2 and 6 and 7. And actually as I read this, take it as a worship. Take it as a, let's do some time in worship. Just uh, Actually, just bear with me. Can everyone just stand? Uh, I just want to read a Bible verse, but just stand for it, because this is worship in the middle of everything. Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And now it comes. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. Amen. You can sit. <laughs> Thank you, God, for, for this promise. We're talking about the hope, the hope of heaven. Uh, it doesn't get more powerful than this, what actually happened at this time. And I want to focus a little bit on the way God chose to enter the world, the circumstances that he was there, the scene of how this unspeakable hope that we can't even explain how he actually chose to deliver that, how he chose to enter our world. For me, it's mind-blowing. For me, it doesn't initially make sense the way he did it. God has had hundreds and hundreds of years to get ready for this birth. And the way he does it, this is where I want everyone to listen, is says a lot about his character, says a lot about how he operates even today. I'm just going to, this is something that John Piper says. Uh, so, God had centuries to plan the details of the incarnation and arrange the arrival of his son in the right place, at the right time, and in the right way. For example... He could have easily arranged that a faithful virgin and a just man in the lineage of David would be found in Bethlehem in accord with the prophecy. But instead, he chooses Mary and Joseph who lived in Nazareth, not Bethlehem. And he plans for Mary to get pregnant far from the prophecy town. And then we know they had to, to, they had to travel. There was danger. There was uncertainty. God picked one woman and he picked a womb for his, this is where he's entering the stage. This is where he enters the world, the promises that have been spoken throughout history. And he entered, it's so vulnerable to me. He entered as a little baby in a womb. In a staple, in a place where they keep the animals. Probably not sanitized according to health reg regulations. Probably not. Uh, it was not a secure place. They didn't even have a plan for this, Joseph and Mary. But they wound, ended up in a room filled with animals, stinking animals. I like animals, but they stink and they are dirty. That's the room they were. This is God entering the world, like the promises told. And just a fact about, let's talk a little bit about the manger that he was lying in. It sounds very nice when you sing about it, uh, but there's no way to romanticize this bed into anything other than something that animals were eating from. Even, I've seen pictures, I Google it, and I've seen pictures of a super white, blonde Jesus living in an ancient furniture thing, and it's just strange, you know. It's, that's not how it was. It was a feeding trial for animals. The first bed for the Son of God was not a royal, royal cradle. It was a common corn crib meant to hold food for the animals. Probably Joseph and Mary tried to make it look a little bit better. They probably tried to clean it up and padded it with something that it would be easier to lie a baby in. But still, it's just a thing that animals and cattle and 
donkeys or whatever they had were eating from. That's where they placed this baby. And just that the fact for me that it's a newborn baby, it's a little baby. I, I can't think about anything more fragile, more vulnerable, more helpless than a little baby. Still today, if I hold a little baby, I'm, sometimes I get terrified. But what, if, what if I break it? What if I do something wrong? This is so small. It's, so, it's, just, it's something about a, a newborn baby that's just, wow. This is how God enters the world. It's so fragile. It's so vulnerable. Just throw in the fact that Pharaoh was, Pharaoh was hunting down all newborns, trying to kill them. Just... This is the Savior. This is the Messiah. This is the hope of heaven in a dirty manger. The point I want to make is the amazing promise of God. It was going to change the course of history. Enter our world. The King of Kings. The Savior. The Alpha and the Omega. This is how God chose and planned him to enter our world. And this speaks volumes on how God operates and about who God is. And this is actually, do not go on autopilot just because you've heard the story before. This is how God operates. The point is, there's a lot of promises from God to us. There's a lot of hope that we cling to. Words have been spoken, a lot of promises. But it's often not delivered the way we would expect it to. That's my simple point with this. Things that we believe for, things that we hope for, often do not come in the shape or the circumstances that we think would be the best. We know who God is. We know his truth. We know about his love, his identity, his calling, his promise. But the way these hopes actually enter our lives is not often how we would like them to do. You might have a promise of leading over you. You might have a calling to lead. That may actually come from a season of frustration. You might walk into a season of denying yourself, giving up your own ambition. Not the way we would think. But the promise of God often comes through circumstances that we would not expect. You might have a hope for healing or, or a gift of healing that you know maybe God takes you through a season of hurt, a season of, of suffering. You, know, you do not know how God actually... This is how the hope of God entered our world through these circumstances. And right now, there are maybe even promises over your life, words over your life, and you're sitting here thinking, how can it even happen? I'm not really in the right place. I'm actually not even doing okay. I can understand that this and this person, God could do that with, but how could it happen with, with I, where I am right now? And the way the Savior of the world entered the world in the Christmas what we read right now says everything about how God's work in you as well. You might be disappointed, might be failing, might look like nothing. 
that that might hide the God's perfect plan in your life, God's intention with you. But it doesn't always come the way we would think it's come. Often, out of hurts, out of the desert and hopelessness, hope rises, purpose rises, strength comes. God entered this world through a child in a staple. Young, vulnerable, confused, afraid parents didn't even have a room for him. That's how God entered with his great hope. And God makes it for me perfectly, painfully clear that the will of the hope of God, what he does is his work. It's so clear that it is his work. He don't share the glory with us. They couldn't say like, yeah, we planned this. No, God entered the world like this. He is the one having the glory for what he's doing, what the promises over your life, the promises over our life. He is the one that has the glory. It's not your diligence. It's not your how much you hope. It's not how hard you pray. It is his glory. It is his will. He does it the way he wants. He takes something that is conceived as nothing and he makes it into something. Something that the world looks at ugly, he makes it beautiful. That is where he will reveal his glory. Any and every dimension of life can become an arena of God's extraordinary activity. To me, this is hope. The, the fact that God actually did it like this, that is hope. And we should take hope. We should find hope in that. And I want to, it will be strange speaking about hope without speaking a little bit on the word hope. Uh, how we use that word hope. And I want to make it crystal clear that the version of hope that we speak about from the Bible is different than the, the word we use in everyday language when we speak about hope. If we say like how we speak about it outside of like everyday, hope is more a feeling of expectation, a desire for something that we want to happen. We're not really sure we get it, but it's like a, a wish, you know. I wish that would happen. I hope that would happen. You might say, I hope I don't get sick, you know, this, this month. I hope I'm able to pay my bills this month. I hope I get that job. You know, that's the way we would use the word hope. We describe things we want almost like wishful thinking. Like, it would be great if that happened. But the way we use often the use word hope, we actually communicate uncertainty or uncertainty. When I say, I hope, well, if a kid say, I hope dad gets home before I sleep tonight. What is he really saying? Like, I don't know, but I hope. It communicates uncertainty. I could say, like, I really hope that the Norwegian soccer national team someday before Christ's return would qualify for anything. It could be anything. I really hope that. But that's, it's not that certain, you know? Yeah, let's talk more about that next time. But it's, some, it's a way of saying, I hope that happens. But everyone in this room knows it, it will not happen, you know? Sorry. But that's the way we use the word hope. It communicates uncertainty. And this, my friends, is so far away from how the Bible use the word hope that we're speaking of today. It's far away. 
the distinctive meaning of hope in the Bible, I would say it's, it's opposite of how we actually use the word hope. It's actually opposite. Just like in the Old Testament, the word kava is how they, uh, from where hope comes from. Uh, and the root of that word translated into difference, but the root is trust. When the Bible speaks about hope, it's the root is trust, and that carries on into the New Testament as well. I would say it's, it could be said like it's a confident expectation of what God has promised. It's not a wish. It's not like that will be great. That will be amazing. It's a confident expectation. If I use it like in the world, if I say like, oh, I hope to get, I really hope. The strength of the hope is in how much I can hope for it and how much. But this is not how it works with God. The strength of a hope in God is all on his faithfulness. It's all on who he is. Biblical hope is not a desire for something good to happen. It's a strong, confident expectation because the validity and strength is in God himself. When the Bible says, put your hope in God, it's really strong. It's not, yeah, maybe. No. You could translate faith into strong confidence and Maybe you could translate hope into strong confidence in future tense, something you know. And the world's, when I speak the world, I mean outside of the Bible in the, in the language, we use, it's quite weak, the word hope. Like I said, maybe, maybe not. It's like picture a boat on sea, a good old boat, like sailing boat. One day it will like float a little bit this way and this flow this way. It's not controlled by anything. It's like the, the elements controls it. Um, to make that boat grounded, it needs something heavy so the boat wouldn't float anywhere. It would need an anchor, an anchor, something heavy with the sole purpose of having the boat staying in one place. Grounded. And Bible says that this hope we have in Christ, the hope we are speaking about today, it's like an anchor. It keeps you from drifting. Secure your heart and mind and soul in Christ. Hebrews 6:19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This is the opposite of how we use the word hope. Maybe, maybe not. The Bible says this hope is an anchor is firm, it's secure. The definition of an anchor is something that serves to hold an ob object firmly in place. And I want to say something. An anchor is not placed on the boat. Then we'll just float around. The anchor is actually placed somewhere else. It's like sink down to the sea or it's outside of the boat to keep the boat in place. And your breakthrough, what you're longing for, the hope is not on you. It's, not, it's placed somewhere else to keep you. It's placed somewhere else in, in the work of Christ. It's somewhere else in the work of the cross that he sent his Savior. A Savior is born. The hope for that family member to come to, to God or, or whatever it is you're hoping for, the strength of that hope is not on you. It's, it's placed somewhere else in the promises of God, what Jesus has done to keep it secure.
just want to read, you can have that on the screen, Romans 15. Before I say that, picture this. An anchor does not float around on the surface of the sea. It sinks deep down. It holds you firm while the storms are raging. That is what Christ is for us. That's the Savior that is born. The sea might rage. Everything might go on on the surface. But the anchor is holding you firm. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the God of hope. And it's put in him. And it's the Holy Spirit. The strength of hope in the Bible is not on you. It's not on how much you hope. It's all in Him. The God of hope is something that we can expect because it's secure, like an anchor. I need to constantly focusing on this hope. When it comes to the big picture, when it comes to Christmas even, when it comes to things that I want to do in my life that I feel is from God, I need to fix my focus on this. Psalm 31, be strong, let your heart take courage, all you who hope in God. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is in Him. So the promises of Christ is not, He, may, he might forgive you, He might love you, He might help you. That's the way the world would speak about it. But we believe in something that is secure. These four Sundays, we look to the promises of God. We look to how he entered the world. I like to have really simple, simple and uh, examples of things when I preach. Uh, so I'm going to just give a quick example again from my work. I just tell you about three minutes that happened. Uh, I love my work. I love what I do. I, I work with meeting people with anxieties, depressions, whatever come crisis and everything, and I love it. It's, it's very meaningful. But it's just this, this Wednesday, I felt, I've, I've told this before, and I was actually thinking, why do I always keep the same? And I actually, it dawned to me that the more I feel my heart is in line with God, the more I feel his presence, the more I feel like God is doing something in my life, the easier I, get, I, I, I can see when I, when I take control. When I start to worry how I put myself in the front seat, the more I kind of feel like, because I feel like I'm in a season now in God's grace, that I'm, I'm being blessed, I'm experiencing his presence. And the more I do that, the more I see these examples of me taking control, and I need to confess a little bit more often to God, hey, shift my focus. So I had a, a word that God has spoken to me. I felt like from Psalms 23 that I'm going to anoint your head with oil. That just means that I'm going to bless the things you're doing. And I felt that was a word for me. And this Wednesday, I just felt, again, overwhelmed. There was a lot of things to do. There's a lot of things on my list. People were waiting in the waiting room. And I just felt a little bit overwhelmed. And I just needed to remind me again. It's on you. So I, I locked the door and I put on the red light. So it said, like in a session or whatever, so people will think that I'm 
was doing something. And I just kind of kneeled to the floor like this. And uh, not to be super spiritual or, or super religious, it's not like God was, whoa, he's kneeling. I've never seen that before. That was another point. But that's how I pray sometimes. When I feel overwhelmed, I just did like this on the floor and just sat like. And for me, that's a way of kind of communicating to God with my body, with everything I am, that, hey, this is not me. I need you more. And then I just was kneeling and I just said, God, I know you've given me this work. Uh, and you said you're going to bless it. I've felt it and I have felt your promises. But right now, I'm overwhelmed. Right now, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling the stress. I'm feeling like, I'm, how can I do this? And then I remember the song, an old song about God's hope. And I just kind of prayed that song. I just prayed like, in you, oh God, I put my trust. Uh, to you, Lord, I give my soul. My hope is in you, and etc. And I didn't feel great. I didn't feel like, wow, this is a super moment. I just felt like, okay, I'm failing a little bit. I'm overwhelmed. God, I'm kneeling on the floor just because I want to show to myself that you are God. And when I get up on my feet, I actually, I actually felt the weight has been shifted. I actually felt the weight has been lifted. The, the worry had been taken away. And I was able to go on with my day. And this is just a super, super simple that I needed to put my hope in God. It wasn't on me. It wasn't on how good I was. And I actually felt something change. I'm just going to wrap it up with that. And what we have been talking about today is how the hope of God enter. He chose now is the time to enter the world. We spoke about the way he entered the world. What that says about God and what that says about us. And we've spoken a little bit about hope as an anchor. Something that is, we can expect. Something that is different like we use the word hope. What was that, Justin? Did you say that? Ah, did you say you wanted me to sing that song? Really? Nah, stop it. Ah, okay. Because I sing like an angel, you said. Okay. All right. Well, this is embarrassing. Like for you listening to the podcast right now, throughout the church, people are just demanding me to sing. It's like, oh, you have such an amazing voice. You play guitar so well. Okay. This is a bit... Okay, I was thinking, oh, I, what is that? My guitar that I brought from home. What? Okay. That was... I'd rather do that than sing that song. Okay, whatever. All right. I'm going to sing a song that is really simple, and I just wanted to... It might work as a prayer for you. It might work as a reflection of what I've been talking about. Placing... We are focusing on the hope of God, the hope. So I'm just going to plug in here. Okay. 
the reason I just want to end with this song is to give us some minutes to just focus, to just kind of put our hope in God again. And because everyone wanted me to, so. To you, oh Lord, I lift my voice. In you, oh God, I place my trust now. Do not let me be put to shame. Nor let my enemies triumph over me. My hope is you. Show me your way. Guide me in truth. In all my days. My hope is you. Shoot. 